the Republicans are one win away from taking control of the Senate. Oh, again, because that worked out so well last time. I just love how we just go back and forth every election. When really we should just be voting both parties out. When are we going to vote for Kang? <laughs> vote Kang. I'm more of an Annihilus man myself. I personally – I thought you were going to say Immortus. <laughs> no one is an Immortus. He's fucking the Ron Paul. Look, you're both overlooking the perfect candidate, which is the Shredder. I am your father now. <laughs> oh, God, a, polit- a political ad runs. Our leader, gone. <laughs> I, Tatsu, will lead. Then the rebuttal, Tetsu says he's going to lead. Let's look at the facts. It's just Shredder walking in. Oh, challenge. This advertisement has been paid for by the Shredder. And then... <laughs> the rebuttal ad to end all rebuttal ads. I was once a man. A man. I am so mad we did not think of this a month ago. I would so make those posters. I just imagine for the Shredder ad, like, Shredder has a plan to cut down on crime. You're babies. You're all babies. It's like there's a dr- like a dramatic black and white interview with a former hand, a, a former foot ninja. <laughs> he made me slap April O'Neil. It's it's clearly Bebop <laughs> silhouetted. <laughs> Now's the time to tell tales of the unaccountable. Zambi, what do you fear? What do you fear? Consider you find someone mummified. I already like this story. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We just need you to hunt the giant owl. He just looks too suave to be Dracula. <laughs> too suave to be Dracula. Remember, you are bringing her back to life, so there is that. You got that to pony up on. Be afraid. Be marginally afraid. Welcome to Pulp Nightmare. I'm Mike. I'm MB. And I'm Hero. MB, take her away. What? <laughs> no pressure. Thrill me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you'd let me. <laughs> okay. So angry. Okay, so as I told you two before we started recording, I had something to top off the show this week. Mike, James, I, I, I know I... I I just spoke in the uh, – I just broke the fourth wall by calling you James. But anyway. I had a dream last night. You've never had a dream before. That's the big shocking thing. It's weird. Like, my mind. <laughs> what has my mind done? I killed. I killed again. Oh, God. I'm incepting. Bombs. <laughs> the two of you – we're in the stream. Uh, now, this has been Pulp Nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> no, it nightmares. It doesn't go anywhere sexual, thankfully. Um, the dream was that, okay, basically, from what I can gather, the three of us were at a con. Or we were, we were going to a con. We were in a hotel, and we were going to a con. And the two of you were waiting outside my hotel room as I was dressed as Star-Lord from Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. 
Please tell me it was OG Star Lord though. No, no, it was the movie Star Lord. Like I, I remember the the coat and the helmet and everything. But the reason we were late was because I was trying to find my phone because I wanted to play Hooked on a Feeling <laughs> the entire time we were there. I love how oddly specific the stream is. <laughs> yeah, I could not. Well, that's kind of where the the detail of it ends, except. There's one other thing, which is occasionally Mike would pipe up and say, uh, where's Dave? I, he's like, like, where's, like, like, where's Dave? And, you know, Dave's like uh, an hour late. Where Dave's he told us he'd be here. He was talking about Dave Batista, I think, <laughs> because I kept thinking of Dave Batista in as Drax. You know what I think it was? I think in the context of this dream. Ed was supposed to show up as as Ed Batista as Drax. And the entire time I couldn't figure out what was so strange about it, but what I realized after like after I woke up in, in retrospect was neither of you were in costume. You <laughs> were just really game. Yeah, you you two were just going to go with me as Star Lord and Dave, presumably Dave Batista as Drax. Who promised he'd be there, but was like an hour late. I was angry. Yeah, at some point, like you mentioned, he has the easiest costume. <laughs> all of us, like... <laughs> the easiest costume of all of us in James and I aren't in costume. <laughs> exactly! Maybe also like, well, we were cosplaying as ourselves. Well, no, we were doing casual Rocket and Groot. <laughs> here's, here's the other thing that kind of disturbed me about it, was that the entire time James was there, and I acknowledged he was there, but he didn't say a word... <laughs> <laughs> he, was like real life he was just creepily in the background, <laughs> and Mike was Mike was the only one talking. It was weird. Every breath you take. <laughs> I was just I was just trying to find my phone because I really needed that awesome mix, and I I just I was in the full Star Lord regalia with the helmet and everything. <laughs> it, it was weird. <laughs> So I, I think we were cosplaying as Rocket and Groot. <laughs> I am hero. Maybe you were in like a potted plant or something. You were just waiting for music. Water me. But I, I, I just had to share that with you guys because I did not know what to make of that dream. And I want you two to help me figure out if this means I'm insane. I think it's prophetic. Yeah. I, I don't know what it means, frankly. It's it disturbed me to no end. I don't know I don't know why you two were there and Flexo wasn't. <laughs> Who do you think was the architect? <laughs> like that was Flexo trying to get some kind of dark buried secret from you. <laughs> oh create the safest scenario possible. Embrace <laughs> Star Lord with Batista. <laughs> You're gonna have to think a bit bigger, darling. Another thing about it, the funniest part of that is Mike calling him Dave. <laughs> Get it together, Dave. Have we known a Dave? No. I, I had to think that that wasn't Batista. Just in the world of this dream, we had a – there was a fourth member of the group named Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he was in costume he was going to show up as. Richie Grinch. But yeah, that was my weird fight, flight of fancy in my own head. By the way, speaking of Richie Rich, did you see there, there's going to be a Netflix Richie Rich series? I know. A live-action Richie Rich TV show on Netflix? 
because it's the 1990s, I guess. So that's so that's Netflix's first bomb. You mean after Hemlock Grove and BoJack Horseman? Hemlock Grove got a second season somehow. Hemlock Grove is getting a third season. Hey, people love Twin Peaks ripoffs. Like BoJack Horseman is a saint. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'm all for the Richie Rich series if they take the Occupy Richie Rich approach, (laughs) where it's just a show about the decadence of Richie Rich and his genetic aberrations. (laughs) Just him tormenting the poor. I'm all for it if he dies at the in the last episode and then it spins off into a Casper series. No, it's all about Casper visiting Richie to warn him of like the coming apocalypse. They go after life with Archie with it. <laughs> Richie, you must use your wealth to save humanity. Because fucking hot stuff is taking over the world. <laughs> the Antichrist has risen. Now all I can think of is the anti-rich equation, but, yeah. Is he still played by Macaulay Culkin? Always. I would love to see Macaulay Culkin do sad, like, middle-aged, richy rich. And yes, I did just call him Macaulay Culkin in a weird Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, MB, that was... That was weird. I'm unsettled, because I just want to know who Dave is. Like, is that... Is Dave going to be somebody we... Like, if we ever meet a Dave, are we going to have to wonder, like, is this the Dave from the dreams? We're just going to be... We're just going to spend the rest of our lives searching for Dave. <laughs> or avoiding people named Dave, because we don't want the prophecy to come true. Dave? It's it's like we're Blackbeard, and he's the one I can... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want that day to come to pass that where I'm Star-Lord in a hotel waiting to go to a con. Because I'm sure that's the day I'm going to die. I just you saw see a guy in my future. You just see a guy with a name tag that says Dave walk in in slow motion. It's like that scene from Twelve Monkeys. <laughs> oh, I saw this! I saw this! And I would die a Star Lord, as you should. <laughs> <laughs> just hooked on a feeling, playing as your fucking as your soul leaves your body and blood pools underneath you. Like, I just fly back after a gunshot wound as I'm dressed in full Star-Lord regalia. <laughs> you two are powerless to stop it, but you witness it. How did, how did... Our only costume is your blood. <laughs> uh, which adorns our chest like some kind of weird, dark cotton. Um, how did the dream end? That, that's the thing. Is like It didn't really have an ending. It was just... It was... The two of you keep... Like, we were still searching for the phone the last time. I thought, I think actually when you brought up Dave, that was towards the end because I just kept wondering to myself, wait, who's Dave? Is, is he talking about Dave Batista? <laughs> and then it just abruptly ended. <laughs> it's like the dream was like, oh shit, he's on to us. <laughs> he can see. So it was just this weird nonchalant dream where I'm dressed as Star Lord. Like you weren't even at a convention. This was your house. I just like how the entire dream was just us walking down a hotel hallway. Like, ready to go to a convention. I just like how you two are a factor. I guess it's not enough to involve Guardians of the Galaxy. It has to be you two, too. I just love how, no, while no one else was cosplay, you still dressed up as Star-Lord. Going to that fancy banquet. Head to toe. Do you know for a fact we were going to a con? Yeah, I mean... I assume 
He was I had, soon. Yeah. I had thought in my head that like we were going to a con the entire time, so uh, we were determined to go to a con, whether or not we were going to Batista's house. <laughs> God, Dave. why is Dave an hour late? Why was I so ornery about it? I, it's, it's you, to be fair. You you get very ornery. I'll give you that. But uh, yeah, I have no idea what that dream was about. I have no idea where it came from. I don't know what basis it has in reality. I I just had to share that with the two of you because it was just so weird. It was about Dave, MB. It's always about Dave. Crazy Dave, we call him. <laughs> Can we just have a pretend friend named Dave from now on? Like any time like something goes wrong, we just blame it on Dave. Thanks a lot, Dave. I like how James just cut out so it looked like Dave attacked him and killed him. Oh, Dave, no, not like this. You've killed again. Damn you, Dave. Ah, Dave, let you go. He still hasn't been his death breath. Well, thank you for sharing yet another insight into the MB-scape this week, MB. (laughs) Yeah, I like how that was kind of a semi-sequel to the last episode. It was the handoff. (laughs) Maybe that... Quiz like that questionnaire drove me so insane that now I'm just dreaming about random stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, uh, th- this is your Batman R.I.P. Your psyche was compromised, so you accessed your Dave personality. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Dave of Zero and R. It's like my- Mike and I were the Batmites, like driving you to insanity. MB, beware. You're just pro- patrolling the streets of your town, dressed as Star-Lord of the baseball bat. <laughs> Where is Dave? You know, the amazing thing was, I had the movie costume, so I had the light-up eyes and everything. <laughs> it was like a, an amazing quality costume. I don't know where I got it. I may have stolen it from Marvel. You, you spent a whole year building it. <laughs> I had the jacket and everything. I think I had, like, the pistols. I don't remember if I had the pistols for sure. I also like how this is a situation where we had enough money to each have our own hotel rooms. <laughs> I had my own. I don't know if you two had your own. You may have shared one. I refuse to share a room with Mike. I know what he does in hotel rooms, man. Oh, yeah. By all means, share. <laughs> anyway, moving on from my weird... Because we have a lot of things to cover this episode, actually. No, that was it. Just the search for Dave. So I've been teasing this for, well, I, I haven't been teasing this. I've been teasing it privately, but only bring it, <laughs> brought it up last episode. My spider story. Oh, God. So my relationship with arachnids have been well documented on this podcast. Uh, they're your friends. Yeah, I mean, that, where's that time I was the sensational spider, Mike? Yeah. I mean, if it gets you laid, you'll do it. Oh, yeah. So... This was this was a while ago now, but for the sake of um, the story, making it feel fresh, this was last night. We'll go with it. So, a lot was happening last night. You were you were being attacked by spiders. I had my dream about being Star Lord. Dave was somehow a factor. <laughs> Dave is always a factor. Okay. So I go in. This is going to be uh, very disturbing very quickly. Uh, I have to act this out, so I will be taking my pants off. So I went into the bathroom. To expel things from my body, as one tends to do in the bathroom, I was urinating. I had to urinate. Oh, okay, okay, okay. 
I I had a whole horrifying mental image there. So enema. Um. So I I, I you know I lift the toilet lid up. I, I get there. I uh, you know I, I unbuckle my pants and you I open start, your mouth. Bees come out. Oh. I I begin urinating and I'm kind of just standing there, just kind of you know looking at the wall, staring through the wall. Seeing Wait, that's Michael Myers. Night, I'm just, sorry. <laughs> seeing that night in particular. And I, something unusual is happening at the bottom of my vision. I see something moving. At first, I just think it's the stream of urine. Then I look down, and in my toilet, not in the water. Uh, this is crawling out from underneath the lip on the inside of the toilet is a bright red spider that's um, about the size of my fist. Actually, it's about the size of my hand if I made a fist. Like, it's about that big. Um, with legs, it's a little bit bigger. And it's just crawling around on the inside of my toilet out of nowhere. And you have your pants undone. <laughs> my dick's out, yeah. So, did you have, like, an out-of-body experience where your ghost had a heart attack? Time stopped. Just, I stopped. Like, I that's that's how scared I was. I stopped urinating. <laughs> and it wasn't a problem. Your track just said no more. My muscles just went, fuck it. <laughs> so I recoil back. Oh! <laughs> Trying not to urinate. I'm trying. I'm pulling my. I'm putting my pants back on furiously. I I I, I, I urinate over myself a little bit. I'm trying to figure out what the fuck to do. <laughs> Did like, you I'm take su- out a gun? No. 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 I'm surprised that your first response is to stop urinating. Like my immediate reaction would be to weaponize my bodily fluids and uh, drown the son of a bitch. Unfortunately, this was at the part of the toilet closest to me. Like right on right on the inside, the very front, so there'd be no way for me to actually urinate on it. Oh, I was close to you. Yeah, we'll we'll get to. Uh, so I, after about thirty seconds of staring at this thing and watching it walk around, trying to figure out what do I do, what do I do, I finally realized, okay, I'll flush the toilet, and that worked. <laughs> it went away. But that spider is still out there. I flushed it about twenty times. Now. It needs to be said. If I was, if I sat down, if I had sat down that day, like if you would, well, I wouldn't it, be here right now because I would have fucking killed myself. I would I, have ended my life because my dick would have been right there next to a giant spider. It could have crawled into me and laid eggs inside of me and con- then controlled my brain somehow. I don't know how that would have worked because it's just a normal spider, but... It knows. <laughs> it knows. It knows. So, this happened three months ago. I thought it was last night. I'm, I'm out of the fake part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> this every, has gotten too real. Every single time I have to sit down on the toilet, I have to flush it and then... Patrol the rim with my eyes, nearly sticking my head in the toilet to look around and make sure all is clear. You're like the the survivor girl in a slasher movie. My life is like, ruined now. Yeah, that. My my thing is, why was how was it bright red? It was a giant red spider. Like I've never seen a bright red spider, and it was hiding in my toilet. Like, I mean, it was curled up right in the rim, so it couldn't be seen. 
So you folks at home, you have that to look forward to next time you sit down in the toilet. Yeah, because it, it it's still out there. I mean, it attacked. It tried to attack Mike. Mike escaped, but who knows where we'll show up next. I recognize the fact that flushing the toilet probably did not kill the thing. What if it returns? Oh, I'm going to kill myself. We just went over this. But like, what if it returns when you're sleeping and, like, hey, I can't continue with this because I know I'm just going to ruin it even more for you, so. No, I I live in constant fear of spiders uh, while I'm sleeping. <laughs> I, 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 oh. I mean, oh. I, I mean, I understand. I have a very similar fear of Spider-Man while I'm sleeping. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> to be fair, that is more of a legitimate fear. Well, you could just pop up at any time. Yeah, just you're just yeah, he's, there. You're you're so comfortable. You're you're in the holy womb of the bed. And then you just turn over. You, you get a sense of something. You, you groggily open the eyes, and there, sitting atop your desk chair, is just Spider Man, the dark, staring at you. Hey. And you you think he's strong? Listen, bud, he's got radioactive blood. So. You, you think walls can stop Spider-Man? You think laws can stop Spider-Man? You think moral judgment can stop Spider-Man? Like, hey. Do you know how many people he's buried out in the desert? You're snoozing, huh? What do you think really happened to Cardiac? I When Stacy is on him, like the Green Goblin wasn't even there that night. Peter was just high. <laughs> There is no Green Goblin. <laughs> there is no Rogues Gallery. There is no Venom, no Sandman. Uh, he, all... just, he just takes a hit of morphine. Oh, God, the rhino's after me. <laughs> There's a scorpion that wants my face. <laughs> oh, Peter, not again. Oh, Ben's not even dead. <laughs> Wait, why is, why is Jarvis there? That was English, Aunt May, don't you know? Oh. <laughs> This is a tie-in for Spider-Verse. I, I apologize. <sighs> wow, that was... That yeah, that was... Story. That was horrifying. I have something that kind of ties into that. Where, um... It's not nearly as horrifying, but it is a near-death experience. Oh, hold on. Before spider- you go on, I just want to say, dramatically, watch your toilets. Okay, continue. And where's Flexo with his theremin? So... This happened like three days ago. Um, it was – I was just about to actually go to bed, but uh, I had laundry to attend to. So it's a very Mike story already. <laughs> I just did laundry yesterday. But uh, I, I had a, like a stack of towels sitting on the floor in front of the washer that I had to uh, get and take away and put away into like the cupboard. And I, I went towards the stack not thinking – not thinking anything, like, I, I was just, I had other things on my mind, like, I think I was actually gonna, like, look at some YouTube videos on my phone, like, I was thinking, I better get my phone off the charge. Who Dave was. Yeah, I was thinking of that, too, uh, that's actually what led into the dream, but I, I approached the stack, and out of nowhere, as I'm approaching, and by the way, I, I want to mention I'm barefoot at this point. I'm, I'm taking my headphones off. Um... This bigger than I've seen in quite some time. It's not the biggest spider I've ever seen, but it's bigger than I've seen in many years. Just big black spider just crawls out from underneath the towels. 
and just and just stops, just stops like it's smoking look, a cigar, like, it, like it's looking at me, like it just stops right as I approach, uh, and I I freeze. You peed on it. I I lock I lock eyes with it. It locks its eight eyes on me. I freeze, turn around, boom, boom. immediately. Like I'm, I'm freaking out. And like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So I go. I turn around. I go back to my room very methodically. Get my shoes. Put them on. Put on socks too because I want that extra layer of protection. Go back. The spider has crawled back underneath the towels. So I, I put my hand on the towels. Take a deep breath. Pull them up. And stomp the living crap out of him. It was a moment of triumph. Did it die? The first time, like, after the first wave of stomping, it was still wriggling. So I went down and stomped it again. I, I, I desecrated it into the carpet. It was spider no more. Did you kill its kids? Well, that's the thing that I did afterwards was that I kept searching because I had this paranoid fear that there were other ones because it was so large. So I looked under the dryer. I looked under, like, the rest of the clothes I had out. Uh, I looked all around. There was nothing to be found. That was just the one, and I killed it. I killed it dead. You killed its family. And I I didn't go to sleep that night. (laughs) I didn't. I'm looking over my shoulders now. Everything is spiders. Uh, why are we being visited by spiders? And it just had like the longest ah, leg. Ah, ah. It's oh, oh, why did it? My thing is, why did it stop as soon as I approached? Like, it, did it come knows. Out? I don't know what it knows, but it knows. <laughs> See, this just makes me terrified for whenever my spider number is eventually up. Because these things happen in threes. Well, it, if you notice, it escalates. Because in Mike's story, the spider doesn't do anything. It just crawls around. In mine, it approaches me and stops. It fronts you. What's up? So, so it's like next week, I'm, I'm just going to hear a knock at the door, open it up, and there's going to be a giant spider disguised as a traveling salesman. Wearing a top hat. <laughs> Hello, Joe Spider. I come in. Is your mommy and daddy home? I'd like to show you this new vacuum cleaner. It's made of webs. No. Why don't you go ahead and touch it? I promise you won't get stuck. Go on, then. All right. I don't know, Mr. (laughs) Not-Spider. That's when he'd introduce himself. I'm Ben Not-Spider. Well, with a name like (laughs) Not-Spider. Oh, my God. What if Dave is the spider? (laughs) Oh, God. No, because then I wouldn't be asking where Dave is. That's true. No, it's like that's what happened to Dave. He was killed by the spider. Oh God, the spiders are coming for us. If they're even in our dreams, it's like we totally have a friend named Dave, but the spiders got him and it erased him from like our memories. You only remember him in dream. God, he's our Mal. It's like when the spiders get you, you just don't exist anymore. They devour your past, present, and future like the goddamn weeping angels. Do you know anyone who's touched a spider? No. Uh, I don't like this podcast anymore. Mike, I know what it was like for a minute to be in your shoes, to live in your fears. 
know that a spider was in my house. And it stared at you. It looked into your soul. It just stood there. It looked at you, and then in a spidery voice whispered, See. <laughs> it's in the pantry. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to see a sag spider, aren't I? try to recreate the spider. I try to be the father of its children. <laughs> oh, God. This is my web design. <laughs> See, I, I I liked it better when I was getting birds. Yeah, I, I'd prefer an owl. Did I ever tell you I found another... I, I think I mentioned this on the podcast. I found another dead bird randomly in my yard. <laughs> why is it... Why so that's is still omen, happening. Why does this omen keep happening? I don't know. I preferred it over the spiders, though. Maybe this is, like, the grand escalation of it. Like, eventually all wildlife are just going to attack you. <laughs> Nature is just weaponizing itself against you for a final showdown. Oh, God. We're, we're the forest Australia. by arch-nemesis. This has something to do with Matt Foss. It has to. <laughs> oh, God. I, the spiders have his face? I did forget to mention the spider had Matt Foss's face on it. Mine, too. Did it whisper Moon Knight? Mine whispered Moon Knight. Uh, I think it would. I think mine actually talked about shrimp on the Barbie. So, no, same thing. Yeah, same exact thing. Why did your spider have to be racist? <laughs> Look, it stared at me. All right, it doesn't have any moral compass. See, I see the Matt Fuss spider thing just makes it worse. I don't need a. I don't need a a spider near my genita- genitalia. Two. I don't need a spider with Matt Fuss's face near my genitalia. That's worse. Like I look at things to it. Like imagine I'm sitting on the toilet. Okay, imagine I'm sitting on the toilet and a fucking spider is right there next to my dick. That's bad enough. You look down and fucking a spider with Matt Fuss's face is looking back at you. Ah! Can't you (laughs) check out the check out the view from down under? (laughs) Oh, the tiny spider is hugging a dolphin. Uh, Don't 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 bring that into a peaceful picture now. The spiders have ruined me, MB. As they've ruined you. Everything is spiders now. Now you uh, know. You see. The sky is spiders. Oh. Seriously? I am the big grand spider now. <laughs> no, see, I, no, I don't like that joke because to make the spiders silence in your head, you have to eat a spider. No, you, no, have, I have, to to eat, I... you have to eat issue one of Spider-Man. Oh, that I'm all for. Well, no, I just eat a web. That seems difficult. And not very cleanly, actually. You eat uh, one of the uh, web suitors from the 90s you could buy in the toy stores. <laughs> you just eat that foamy stuff that hardens. I eat Tobey Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way it has to be. He's like 90 pounds now, so it's really easy. Oh, that's even fill me up. Anyway, the um, the spider spiracy aside... God, this this is a horrifying episode. And a, a spider is totally going to appear to you, James. It's it's going to happen. James, you also had something to bring to the table tonight. So <laughs> yes. please tell me it's considerably less disturbing. Well, I have to say this kind of does kind of ratchet up <laughs> as it goes because we go from eerily prophetic dreams to spiders to Jesus. <laughs> uh, can, that be, can that be the name of a book? <laughs> From Spiders to Jesus. 
This book is full of spiders and Jesus. <laughs> spiders and Jesus. This is a story I've had in my back pocket for quite a while, ever since reading a book called Rag and Bone, A Journey Among the World's Holy Dead, which is a book I saw just randomly in a store one day. Uh, looked at that title and looked at the back and saw that it's a travelogue wherein the writer journeys around the world seeing history's most holy corpses. But fair, this is a book for me. And the very first chapter of this book is about a subject that I felt that you guys would appreciate. And that is the blessed corpse of St. Francis Xavier, the patron saint of fuck-ups. <laughs> yes. Saint of Pulp Nightmare. Now, St. Francis Xavier was born uh, in the early 1500s and got his name from Xavier Castle, <laughs> which is the only impressive thing about this dude. I mean, also, he, he began life at a high, on a high note, and it was all downhill from there. Also, the fact that he shared name with a famous comic book character. Now, Francis Xavier was the very first Jesuit missionary. And on a mission uh, requested by King John the Third of Portugal, he went to India to, you know, con- uh, to convert the Indian people over to their faith. Now, this is a very big moment in history because if you go to India today, you'll notice that Francis Xavier is worshipped like the Virgin Mary in the Christian regions there. Like, There's a school named after him. That's the final resting place of his bones. Like, he, He's a big deal, and it's believed that the majority of the Christian population there uh, would not – be of that faith if Francis Xavier had never been there. What makes that really funny is Francis Xavier is the most racist saint in all of human history. Because immediately after going to India, Francis Xavier was filled with a Ku Klux Klan level hatred for all Indian people. Like, there's documents of him writing back to the church immediately after he was sent there saying, well, just, I, I have to go back. These these people are dicks. <laughs> and they write back like, oh, well, would you like for us to send a couple of priests there to help you in your conversions? To which he writes back, yeah, yeah, send me a couple of priests, like the, the biggest fucking priests you've got, like just big, huge guys who can be my muscle. <laughs> I swear to God, you can look this up. Francis Xavier wanted the church to send huge priests with him to act as his bodyguards because he thought that Indians were just going to mug him in the street if he went outside. The holy bebop and rock study. It's a, uh, hold on. Like he said of the Indian people, uh, robbery is so public and common here that it hurts no one's character and hardly counts as a fault. People scarcely hesitate to think that what is done with impunity, it cannot be banned to do. Everywhere, uh, everywhere at all times, is, it is raping, hoarding, and robbery. And they are also lazy. Like, that went with, like, his period in India went 
as like a complete failure. He did not convert a single soul. He just grew more and more racist as it went along. So eventually the church just considered that little sojourn a complete failure and pulled him out of there. So he left there a few years later and went to Japan because he felt that the Japanese were, and I quote, a race more given a race more greatly given to the exercise of reason. Right. So so those Asians are just so good at math, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention. Here is a painting of St. Francis Xavier trying to convert an Indian. And this tells you everything about his attitude. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Power of Christ compels you. Uh, oh, wow. And just, uh, Jesus, Jesus really needs you. Now, whenever Xavier went to Japan, this is his Japan story, uh, he encountered quite a bit of difficulty due to the fact that he could in no way speak or read Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, this was a bad idea. But in December of 1547, Xavier met a Japanese man named Anihiro. Now, Anihiro was a former samurai (laughs) who originally had fled Japan (laughs) after being charged with murder (laughs) and met Xavier on the way out. (laughs) Now, as a boon to Xavier... And a hero promised to, you know, teach him some rudimentary Japanese and translate some scriptures for him to help him with his conversion. So after this, Xavier goes, you know, sits up shop in Japan, starts preaching the word of the Jesuit God, and things are going really well. Like all the local monks there like him. Everybody just wants to hear his message. It's like, oh, yes. I can put this Indian debacle behind me. Those those savages were not ready for the world word of God. It's it's Japan is where you know Christ's next seat of power will be. Now, a couple of years after this, Xavier has it pointed out to him that either through a mistake or a hilarious pa- practical joke, and a hero had substituted the word. Jesus with a word that meant Buddha. <laughs> and the reason, the reason all the monks there loved him and everyone was coming to his sermons was because he was basically walking up to a group of Buddhists and saying, hey, you know who's really cool? Buddha. They were saying, yeah, man, Buddha is awesome. White guy is really for Buddha. This is badass. Okay, so he immediately corrected the mistake and started like he sub, he got the you know actual Japanese translation and began preaching OG Jesus to the Japanese after which the monks there immediately turned on him and he was forced out of Japan. <laughs> That's where things take a turn for the worse. It's gone so well so far. Now, Xavier tries going to China because he figures if those Asians over there weren't ready for his message, 
Maybe these other Asians will. And clearly, they are the superior race if they could pull a fast one on them like that. And in, like, a grass hut, and, like, I believe a small island off the coast of Japan, he waited in vain for a boat out that, unbeknownst to him, was never going to come. Because the guy he arranged his tra- travel arrangements with hated Jesuits. So he just had him stay out in a little hut and slowly die <laughs> from, I believe, like some kind of uh, fever he had uh, he had picked up in his travels. So uh, he drops dead, waiting for a boat that will never come to take him to what would have only been an even worse failure. And the local villagers buried him. Now, this should be the end of Francis Xavier, but now we get into the sainted portion of his life, or afterlife. Say, never one to do something the way he should. After being buried, Francis Xavier failed to rot. (laughs) What? How do you fuck up death? (laughs) You see, after learning that... Xavier had died, the church was like, oh, fuck, I guess we gotta get his corpse now. So they sent some priests over to retrieve his body, and whenever they uncovered him, despite being dead for several months, he had not rotted at all. He looked freshly dead. (laughs) Because he was that much of an asshole. (laughs) Now, uh, this is how, this is why St. Francis is believed to be a saint. Because It turns out one of the very few requirements for being a saint is not rotting. You can be a serial killer, and if your body doesn't doesn't rot, you're eligible for sainthood. This blew my mind. Wow, so we have something to aspire to. (laughs) We have the technology. Now, uh, they arrange to have him shipped out, so they throw him onto another ship. This ship gets about halfway... Uh, to taking him back to Spain, where the the ship's captain, who also has a grudge against Jesuits, <laughs> decides to just throw St. <laughs> Francis Xavier's body like onto the beach of a nearby island and then just head home. <laughs> no, this is no. His body is found by the people of the, the village of Malacca. Now, the Malacans decide that they have to do the decent thing and bury him according to their custom. So, according to their custom, they laid him out into the village square and beat his holy corpse to a bloody pulp with sticks and stones. Imagine that, just him in the village square, just children laughing and throwing stones at him. Yay! <laughs> Couldn't even stay a dead guy right. Like, what, months and months after he died? <laughs> like, when they were done, he was covered in bruises, his arms and legs were broken. <laughs> and they buried him like that, as per their position, uh, as per their tradition. Now, 
around this time, after putting his wholly beaten corpse in the ground, the Malakans began to notice that a number of their plague cases had declined. And then they thought to themselves, oh, this must have been because of that Jesuit we beat. So this uh, became kind of a local legend, and this, once again, got word back to the church, and they're like, okay, for the last fucking time, Francis, we are going to send someone out to get your holy corpse (laughs) and drag it back to Spain, and we are going to fucking bury you. So... He was disinterred again, loaded up onto a boat, and sent, uh, I believe, towards India as like some kind of Ronald Reagan-esque corpse tour. I imagine he was still bloody and bruised, too. Now, along this world tour, at one point, a woman went, like, bowed down to see, like, you know, the the uncorrupted corpse of this holy man uh, whose legend had spread throughout you know all of Europe and Asia and in an act of humility gave his feet just the slightest kiss and then left without a word and the guards were moved by this act and walked over to the you know to Francis Xavier and looked at his body in just awe the power that this relic had over the locals and realized that she had bit off his big toe. (laughs) (laughs) This was then repeated several times. So if you see Xavier's corpse now, it's got like two toes left. To what end? Because people just wanted the holy toes of Francis Xavier <laughs> as a blessing on their house. Just how much this dude's corpse has been mutilated. <laughs> <Repeatedly>. <laughs> <laughs> now, eventually, St. Francis Xavier was officially anointed as a saint and as a way of honoring his memory St. Francis his final resting place is in India (laughs) the place he hated more than anything (laughs) like his body is now worshipped by those inbred fucking inhuman Indians who eat the stoves. Oh well, I'm on the I'm on the Wikipedia article right now. I they did not mention in the book his right forearm was detached in 1614 Why? and it was displayed separately in a silver reliquary at the main Jesuit church in Rome. <laughs> a Roman church decided to take his forearm? Oh, several of his other arm bones are on display in other churches around the world. That's, a- that's, that's actually not that uncommon in saints. It's actually something they get into in the book that's very fascinating. Whenever a saint would die in the old days, they would just rip apart their body. <laughs> And, like, 
every church would have its own piece of the saint. Like, I have the fingernail, I have the spleen, I have the tongue. And you can still see these on display in Catholic churches. <laughs> the Catholic churches aren't creepy at all. It's like, if you... Like, this is a little-known fact about Catholic churches. Every single Catholic church has a relic. Now, for most Catholic churches, it's like a third-tier relic. Like, it's literally a pebble that once touched a block of wood that was once part of a box that once housed, you know, the shin bone of a saint. <laughs> I swear to God, that's an actual designation. They, they're really stretching it, aren't they? <laughs> Because it's not considered a church unless they have a relic, so they really stretch it if they want a new church. But some of the main ones do have, like, the fucking spleen of the of uh, of the Virgin Mary or fucking Mother Teresa and shit. Uh, it reminds me, as a funny, as an amusing epilogue to this story, uh, there's another part in that book where the writer visits the side of one of the very few Buddhist relics, which I believe like is literally like a fingernail of the Buddha. And it's like really like decrepit and disgusting looking. And it it's, seems like a contradiction at first since Buddhism is all about how temporary life is and about how everything passes and you can't hold on to anything in this life. So, you know, holding a piece of the Buddha seems like a contradiction. Then you realize, no, they actually do this to uh, to serve as an example of their beliefs. Because while Catholics keep relics to show how, you know, if one has true faith in God, their body will be preserved forever in the kingdom of heaven, Buddhists hold relics of Buddha to say, look how fucking dead Buddha is. <laughs> <laughs> look, look at that fingernail. That fingernail is fucking disgusting. Buddha is dead as dog shit. If even fucking Buddha looks like shit after all this time, what do you think you're going to look like when you die? And that's why MB practiced Batman Buddha. Buddha, <laughs> Buddha Batman. Get it right. So that is the story of St. Francis Xavier, the patron saint of fuck-ups. The most desecrated corpse in existence. <laughs> <laughs> the most desecrated holy corpse in, existed, in existence. And that's a story I've had in my back pocket for like five months now. Oh, God. I still can't get over how he was taken to the streets. And, and, that, and that was the custom of those people. Like, that's just what they did with corpses. They beat the shit out of them and then buried them. <laughs> I want that to happen with mine. <laughs> so I, I just oh, love how he was deceived by a murderous samurai. <laughs> <laughs> who was who was saying Buddha <laughs> to the rest of them. Like, he was driven out of Japan by angry monks. Do you know how much of an asshole you have to be to piss off a monk? <laughs> he is my new favorite person. Except for the Count of St. Germain. <laughs> oh, yeah. But oh, I'm sure they talk together in hell all the time. <laughs> the new saint of Holt Nightmare. Yes. The I mean, with that, saint of Kennison. I mean, we do have that painting of him rolling his eyes while holding a cross. Uh, yes, Jesus loves you, I, I guess. Okay, I'm looking at this guy's face. 
doesn't this head shape remind you of Kennison actually? <laughs> a little bit. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kennison's backstory. Now, Kennison would be like the most abused corpse in history. <laughs> With no toes. That's how he lost that eye. God. Saint Kennison. Bit off his toe. That's his holy toe. That was amazing. That... I knew I knew you guys would appreciate that. Well, that was a fascinating fucking tales of pulp nightmare we just had. <laughs> we had a trilogy of terror. Yeah, we had like a flight of fancy that had three acts. <laughs> it escalated and just and it all came together. Oh God! What if Francis Xavier is dead? He's, he's sending his spiders after us. Oh. Oh God. Damn it, Francis. God damn it. And no wonder he was late to cosplay with us because he was stuck on an island waiting for a boat. He was trapped in one of his many burials. Uh, I, I hope I can be buried as many times as Francis Xavier. And abused every time you're uncovered. You know, I have to say, if that's like the requirement to become a saint, uh, we have technology. You guys are good actors. Uh, MB, pretend to be a doctor. James, <laughs> pretend to be a priest. I'll pretend to be dead. Let's make Saint Mike a thing. <laughs> Episode 100, Saint Mike, Jermaine. <laughs> now I just imagine, like, you're at Taco Bell, and <laughs> some people see you. Oh, it, I thought you were dead, Saint Mike. You just have a, you have a burrito in your mouth. There's oh, a miracle. <laughs> There's a vision. Mm. <laughs> You're just suddenly realizing you're still alive. <laughs> you just look at your own hands. Oh, my God. Oh, oh thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you accept Christ into your heart. I, I'm uh, I'm the saint of pulps. <laughs> well, then what, what is Saint Francis Xavier? You knock him off the pedestal. <laughs> Fuck you. You're saying a bullshit now. It's his final failure. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't even stay a saint of pulps. Fuck you, Francis. <laughs> oh, God. I feel like we've learned something here tonight. That spiders are the worst of all. That dreams really do tell us the least about ourselves. And that if you're a saint, remember, hold on to your toes. And Dave is out there. Another tale of the strange and terrifying.